you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's up? You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. James Kell here with you. Oh, boy, we got no Adam Reich. We got no Marcus Grant. So you know what that means? We got all of the Alex Gellhart. We got all of it. How you doing, pal? I'm good. This is intimate. <laughs> it's just the two of us. <laughs> just the two of us. Uh, we've got uh, Sean Sully, Sullivan in what's the back. guys? Thank you for pinch glass. hitting. Yeah, pinch hitting for the first few minutes. All right, there you be go. Be a good one. And a baby. All right, we're gonna we got a great show in front of us here today. We're gonna be breaking down the NFC South, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Buckos, and the Saints. We're gonna talk to Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros as well. He wrote a very interesting piece regarding Ty Montgomery. He's gonna explain why he's not terribly high on Ty Mont, and we've got a good back and forth. There, so we're going to get to all of that, but we start your show as always. Oh, wait a second. By the way, uh, we are on Facebook Live, and we'll be answering your questions as well. So if you've got some questions for us on Facebook Live, hit us up uh, there. absolutely hit us up. You can also hit us up on Twitter as well. We will answer your questions live on Facebook Live. But we start the show as always with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. All right, let's start in South Beach. According to the Miami Herald, Ryan Tannehill reportedly healthy, running around pretty good. Remember, he suffered a severe knee sprain late last year, did not require surgery. That is a good thing. It should be noted, though that Ryan Tannehill will be wearing a knee brace throughout the season. In the same report, Tannehill absolutely gushing Alex Gelhar about Devontae Parker and Julius Thomas. Your take there. 
I mean, it, this is great to have off-season platitudes thrown at players, but we need to take these with a grain of salt. <laughs> okay. uh, sometimes they come to fruition, sometimes they don't. Let's not forget that two off-seasons ago was when Aaron Rodgers was throwing fuel on the Devontae Adams fire. Good point. And we all know how that happened. Okay. So it's great that he's excited about them, but let's wait and see. And as for him running around, that's all well and good, but right. I think we've, we've kind of been seeing this offense might be tilting towards being uh, – all aboard the JHI train and uh, being a run-first approach. So. That is true. All, I guess the only reason I brought it up was because part of Tannehill's, I, I believe part of Tannehill's value was predicated on the fact that he could move around pretty good, actually. A couple seasons ago, yeah, he was getting up there and rushing attempts and uh, was getting some extra yardage and doing some zone read plays like that. So that'll certainly stop him. And I think quarterback is just so deep right now that like Ryan Tannehill That's true. shouldn't really be on the fantasy radar for people except good point. In, Big two quarterback leagues. Very good point. All right. How about uh, Devontae Parker and Julius Thomas? I want to ask you about Julius Thomas specifically because our very own Cynthia Freeland last week, On actually. Last episode, yes. Talked about how she was excited uh, about Julius Thomas there in Miami. Uh, I mean, I'm still waiting on that one. I don't like, I thought her, prog- her uh, prediction form was a tad aggressive, personally, but I mean, he was great with Adam Gase in the past. There is that connection. Now, again, of course. He was catching passes from Peyton Manning then. Uh, not, that helps. Not Ryan Tannehill on a bum knee. but That helps. I mean, tight end, too, is a position where we've seen a lot of great late-round guys hanging around. And if you're believing the hype in this, and uh, we start to see some signs of this, if he's dominating the red zone again, if, if he's skinnier, he was getting a little... Little huskier there in uh, Jacksonville <laughs> at times. It could be. It he could was. be a great. It could be a great turnaround for him. He was. He was indeed. All right, let's move on. Pat's beat reporter Mike Reese of ESPN, one of the best in the biz, leaning towards Mike Gillisley over Rex Burkhead to lead the New England backfield. Quote: Gillisley projects as the most likely running back to fill the void left by Legarrette Blunt. Your thoughts on that report? I mean, I don't think this is a surprise to any of us when they got Gillisley as well away from the Bills. I think yeah. everybody kind of conventional wisdom seemed to see, think that he fit the more likely scenario of the early down hammer goal line kind of back. He's a big guy. He was, But we love Rex Burkhead. I know we love Rex Burkhead, but I mean, okay. he's he might just be a fever dream right now until <laughs> Gillisley gets hurt or something else. Uh, the New England backfield is, is back to being a bit of a kerfuffle, but if there's one back Kerfu- to target, nice. and if there's one back to target it's Good. probably going to be Gillisley. <sighs> All right, we'll find out. All right, we'll find out. All right, that's your top headline. Let's get to our special guest for the day, Mike Tagliere. All right, pleased to be joined alongside by the lead NFL writer for Fantasy Pros, co-host of the Fantasy Pros podcast as well, Mike Tagliere. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's the day after the 4th of July. While most people are dreading going back to work, we're talking about fantasy football. So uh, things are going pretty well on my end. (laughs) That's a very good point. I'm sitting here in a Donkey Kong shirt talking about fantasy football. So uh, life is okay. Life is A-OK. Hey, listen, Mike, you, you wrote a very interesting piece for Fantasy Pros. Uh, you do these player profile pieces. This one, your most recent one, was about Ty Montgomery for the Packers. Uh, you're not very high on Ty Mont. Tell us why. Well, there's a few reasons why I'm, I'm hesitant. I should say that uh, he's being drafted right now and inside the top 20 running backs, and it's just a little too rich for my blood for based on a few things. You know, Ty Montgomery – He's a guy that was looked at as extremely effective last year. He was efficient, and I'm not going to argue those points. He was. But the the problem is is what the Packers are saying and what they're doing. Uh, You know, you look at it, there was two games he played against the Bears last year, and the Bears, as everybody knows, their front seven was banged up. They lost, I think, four of their starters on defense. And, you know, Ty Montgomery took care of that. He scored 41 fantasy points against them in two games. 
And then against every other team in the 11 games, he scored just 55 fantasy points. So it was very, you know, it was very Bears heavy. But regardless, you know, the biggest thing I took away from it is there was only one game where he saw more than, or where he saw double digit carries. And it was that game, one of the games against the Bears. So when you look at the Packers and you see kind of what they've done this offseason, they drafted three running backs. There was not a single other team that did that. In fact, there was just one other team that drafted two running backs. That's an issue because they're, mm-hmm. everything they're saying is that he's having trouble in pass protection, which is, it, it would be a natural concern, you know, coming from wide receivers. So it's kind of empty words when they say that they think that he could be the starter. And then everything that they're doing behind the scenes tells you kind of otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we, we'll, we'll turn it to Alex Gellhart here, who's a, uh, a Packers uh... – uh, do we, can we can we call you a homer, pal? I mean, yeah, I think that's the only <laughs> the only accurate way to describe it. I, I bleed green and gold over here. Uh, do you do you, look? I, I think part of fantasy, though, right, is, is projecting forward. So you know, we get into a dangerous game when we start talking about last year's numbers, right? So I guess I'd love to get Alex's take on on what tags found. Uh, in, in regards to pass protection, you know, talking about some of the storylines in the background, drafting multiple running backs, et cetera, right. et cetera. Well, I mean, the pass protection concern is warranted, but also it'd be foolish to just think a rookie's going to come in and completely overtake him in that regard. Rookies also have a big adjustment getting used to the speed and reading the defenses and understanding the calls and protections at an NFL level. But what I think is uh, Mike made some very good points in his article, uh, especially with, like, the volume concerns you talk about as well, Mike, where um, – looking at the trends of the last couple Packers seasons and balancing it out with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I think you're right, James. You have to project forward. And this is one of those cases where you also kind of want to look at the whole season but also try and look at what happened contextually at the end of the season. Okay. Where, yes, he only had one game with double-digit carries in the regular season. He had two games with double-digit carries in the postseason. And it was also a case where this offense really just, as you noted, Mike, didn't run the ball a lot. I think they'd like to get back to a place where they even that out a little more. And in this instance, I just think Ty Montgomery has has the skill set, and they're going to give him every opportunity right now to own that starting starting back role. So I think in your projections, Mike, you had him for what about 150 carries? I'm gonna try and scroll back through and find it. Yeah, it was 150 carries and 50 receptions. I had him down for. Right, right. So I think I think those are a little bit conservative, just from what I know of this offense. I mean, they could switch to more of a committee, but if we go back and look, like that 2013 year. Um, Eddie late when Eddie Lacy was the featured back, he had his career high 284 rushes, and that was also, as you noted, the the year where they had the most rush attempts in their their last three. When you're examining, we also have to remember that was the year where Aaron Rodgers was out for seven games with a busted collarbone, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of your Chicago Bears. I might I might add <laughs> taking him out. Um, but then you go to the next year of Lacy's career when he uh, 2014. He had about 40 fewer carries, but his yards per attempt rose to 4.6 with that constant threat of Aaron Rodgers in the backfield. So I understand the concerns. I would think all the signs are pointing towards them giving him the chance to win the starting job. And for the most part, he did pretty well when given an opportunity with more carries. So his current draft price, to me, seems to fit with the projection. There are certainly risks, but I'd rather buy into that running back ceiling uh, in Green Bay than, than pass on it. Hey, Mike, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this real quick. Um, Ty Montgomery or Christian McCaffrey in your mind, because they have a very similar price tag right now. They do have a similar price tag, and I'm going to go with McCaffrey just because he's the pedigree. And drafting when you draft somebody at number eight overall, like the Panthers did with my, with him, that's why I'd, I'd buy into that. And it's a tough because that's the situation where 
Christian McCaffrey's walking into a Panthers backfield where they don't target the running back position. You know, one of the things, Alex, I was curious to get your take on since you do follow the Packers. I always appreciate talking to people that are close to teams and they watch every single game. So with Montgomery, are you concerned about the fact that Randall Cobb was injured last year, so he saw a dip in targets? Devontae Adams is on the rise. It seems like Jordy Nelson is turning more into a possession-style receiver. They spent big money, $21 million on Martellus Bennett, and that's something that the Packers don't do. They don't spend money in free agency. So, I mean, I'm projecting Aaron Rodgers' pass attempts to come down because, as you know, last year I think it was 40 more pass attempts than he had ever attempted in one single season. Yep. So I think they want to bring those down. I think that bringing Martellus Bennett in is going to take some target distribution away. Randall Cobb being healthy, Devontae Adams on the right. There's just... Even Geronimo Allison, to a certain extent, I believe. I, Geronimo I Allison, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you get into all these names, and that's why it's like with the Packers, you always want to buy players in their offense because they're going to be a top-five scoring NFL team. That's, I, I think that, you know, that there's no question about that. The question is whether or not Ty Montgomery is going to see that role in something that they haven't really trusted him in. And, you know, we mentioned the pass protection thing where, I truly believe that if he can't handle the pass protection as good as Rodgers wants, with, with the losses they've had on this offensive line, letting Sitton go to the Bears, and now J.C. Treader is off to the Browns, like they have some serious concerns on their offensive line. So, you know, he was only kept in the pass block 15% of the time last year. That's not a workhorse number. So for me, Jamal Williams is a guy coming in. He's my favorite out of that backfield uh, in terms of in between the tackles. Is he the guy that they're going to want to do? You know, you said they want to run the ball more. I agree with that. I just think that he may be better suited than Ty Montgomery to actually be that guy. Yeah, just knowing knowing Mike McCarthy and his tendency to go with incumbents in a lot of situations and adhere to his veterans, I, I would – and they, right now all the words out of camp is they brought back in Brandon Jackson, their running back from their Super Bowl run in 2010, mm-hmm. to be their running backs and pass protection coach, and Ty Montgomery is getting all the first-team reps there. So it is certainly a storyline we're going to have to watch during – training camp and preseason if he is holding off Jamal Williams and things like that. As far as the target concerns, I think what's going to happen is, I mean, Jared Cook had 51 targets last year. Richard Rodgers had 47. I would kind of think those two just meld into Martellus Bennett's targets. Oh, yeah. Lance Kendricks will get a little work. Richard Rodgers will still have a handful of targets. But that that number is kind of going to go right to Martellus Bennett would be what I guess. I mean, even in Jermichael Finley's heyday as a budding fantasy superstar that – never came to be. He was never a dominant target monster in this offense. He just got high-value good targets. So there are certainly some concerns, but we do we do know that with, with Aaron Rodgers, the targets are going to be of a certain quality, so it's not going to be like you know the targets Jordan Howard received last year where a number were just uncatchable. <laughs> right, right. So I, th- I, think, I, think, I think there are certainly some volume concerns, but it's just the, as you mentioned, the efficiency of this offense kind of raises all tides. So it's enticing. It's uh, I, I think I think the veteran deference here and like well they did draft three running backs they didn't draft one until the fourth round yeah and as we see year after year a couple guys will jump out of that late round crop there will be a Jordan Howard there will be an Alfred Morris but then there will also be a Kenneth Dixon a Devonte Booker a yada 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 you know if they really yeah. wanted a running back to come in and take this job from Ty Montgomery I think they would have jumped that one earlier as opposed to bringing these guys in for competition and if one wins it out great but I think. The expectation of the front office and the team is that this is Montgomery's job to lose. I kind of also feel like the Packers, Mike, drafted these running backs for exactly that, depth purposes, and not to supplant Ty Montgomery because, if anything, this offense has gotten derailed because their starting running back could not stay healthy 
and they didn't really have viable options as backups. I mean, as we know, last year it was Eddie Lacy. Then he got banged up. James Starks, obviously not the answer. Then it, that's why Ty Montgomery kind of kind of came out of nowhere and surprised the fantasy field. So I, I just feel like the Packers want to ensure that position just a little bit. But I I, I, I tend to agree with Alex Gilhart. I, I think that they're going to let Ty Montgomery run with this rock and see what happens. Yeah, what were you going to say, Mike? You just had something you were going to counter to that. Well, that's my thing. Is like thinking about it, Alex, if you're the GM of the team or if you're the head coach of the team and you look at Ty Montgomery and a guy that's been built the way he is, a guy that you know he, he is dealing with the sickle cell thing where this may not go away. That's another risk that's built into him. Now, a guy that you gave, ten, you know, as the year went on, you trusted a little bit more, but at the same time, you want this offense to be on the field like they did last year. You don't want to be going back and forth and shootouts like you did. It's like you want to, you want to maintain a little bit more ball control than they did last year. So mm-hmm. the way I think about it is, like, if you're a coach, what running back better fits what you want to do on offense? I think Ty Montgomery is best suited for, like, the no huddle, uh, like almost like a Sean Payton-type offense, whereas mm-hmm. Green Bay, I don't think that they should be doing that. Uh, you know, Jamal Williams, I'm a Bears fan. You know that, Alex? But yes. at the same time, Jamal Williams, before the Packers drafted him, he was a running back that I loved in the later rounds. So when I saw the Packers snag him there, it was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> I am not. I wasn't happy about it as a Bears fan. But at the same time, it's just, I look at the offense and what they really, really want to do and what they should do is they're going to hide that defense as much as possible. And I think that they would have drafted a running back sooner if they didn't have so many other holes on their defense. Uh, you know, they had a lot of other concerns, and they still do for that matter. So... I just think that Montgomery, I think Montgomery's a solid player. It's just a matter of can he fit what they need to do on offense in order to keep the pressure off their defense. All right, the great Mike Tagliere from Fantasy Pros. Go find his work there. Listen to his podcast as well. How do they find your podcast, pal? Our Fantasy Pros NFL podcast, we're doing it. We're going to three shows a week starting in the middle of July. So wow. Love talking football. Good Lordy, three shows a week. I tell you what, I'm getting excited about it. All right, great. Mike Taglier, find him on, at Mike Taglier NFL. Mike, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mike. All right. <laughs> uh, by the way, for, for those fo- folks on Facebook Live, for those folks on Facebook Live, we pre tape that. Yes. So you'll have to download the episode to listen to it. Ha! We got you, Price. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's break down the NFC South. Let's talk. We'll start. This is how we normally do it. We normally do it where the uh, the the team that came in first is the team that we talk about first, right? And then we just go down the order. But I wanted to talk about the team that actually came in last, last oh, wow. year in the NFC South, in the Carolina Panthers. They came in at 6-10, and 10, and the reason being, I, I think they have a lot of very interesting players in that offense that are creating a lot of, you know, I guess sides. You know, you got to pick sides on these debates. And we'll start with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he is a man that has the fantasy community absolutely salivating. We talked to Mike Tagliere. I asked him. He's got a very similar price tag McCaffrey does to Ty Montgomery. So for he's me, he's about what RB seventeen, and as we talked exactly tags, uh, RB nineteen for Ty Montgomery, something right like now. that, right? So like we're talking like you know anywhere in that sixteen to nineteen uh, running back range. For my price, I would love to have Ty Montgomery in a I, what I think is going to be a better offense. I think he's got a, a lead role. Uh, I think he's got a clear path to production versus Christian McCaffrey. And I noted this in in my potential fantasy bus piece. Christian McCaffrey, I love him as a player, love him as a prospect. 
But I look at the way he's going to get fantasy points, and there's a lot of roadblocks in his way. Jonathan Stewart is there eating up some carries. I think underneath, they still got Greg Olson. They still uh, got Kelvin Benjamin as well. I just have concerns uh, in terms of the roadblocks that might present itself to Christian McCaffrey in terms of fantasy. I mean, that, that's certainly a concern, but I think as Tags mentioned too, you they're not going to draft a guy at eight overall and not use him a lot. Yeah. Plus, just simply in the passing game, there's 148 targets up for grabs with Ted Ginn and Corey Brown out of the picture. Ted Ginn's now with the Saints. Corey yeah. Brown, formerly Philly Brown, Philly Brown, Corey Brown is with the Bills. Philly Brown's not on the on the Carolina Panthers. So even though oh, uh, no. Jonathan Stewart's still there, and okay. this is an offense that hasn't typically targeted their backs a whole heck of a lot, not at all. This seems to be, as we've talked about on this podcast before, a bit of a changing of the guard, and I think you're chasing Christian McCaffrey a little bit at his ceiling too, seeing he could get a lot of catches, he could have some runs. Yeah. If this Panthers offense with a healthy uh, Cam Newton, so I forget, he was banged up for a lot of last year. Oh, yeah, big time. Had a shoulder injury that, yep. that kind of kept him for about eight games. So if he can get back to his levels of the couple years before, this whole offense is going to jump back towards the top of the scoring heap. And, you know, McCaffrey could be a huge beneficiary. Hmm. All right, so there you go. Uh, in regards to uh, – Christian McCaffrey, again, kind of sort of going there in that RB15, RB16 range. Cam Newton, though, a nightmare season for him. The former MVP, 3,500 yards passing, but just 19 passing touchdowns, five more rushing touchdowns to go along with 14 interceptions and two fumbles lost. 16 turnovers for Cam Newton, just 19 passing touchdowns. A career-low completion percentage, uh, a career-low rushing-wise in 359 yards, again, 53% completion percentage, a career low for him. Uh, look, I know a lot of folks are, are pegging him to be a bounce-back candidate, but what are we expecting here in terms of Cam Newton's uh, 2017 campaign? I mean, I, I think I think he's going to be he, – he's still going to come back from that injury. I mean, we had the hype video that you loved of him throwing passes <laughs> in the training room. But let's be real. He's still coming back from a shoulder, shoulder injury. It could take him a little while to get up to speed. But I this is a – Cam Newton's a guy that was like a top-four quarterback every year – top-four fantasy quarterback every yeah. year of his career. The one concern is that if the rushing totals dip a little bit. Yeah. They're, if they are trying to make that Ben Roethlisberger-like switch that some football writers have talked about – have him transition to a short passing game to Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel instead okay. of running the ball, that will certainly hurt his his fantasy totals. But, I mean, in the first half of the season before that shoulder injury really set in, he was completing closer to 68% of his passes, and, and things were looking a little bit more like old Cam Newton. Uh, with, the, with, the, with the new weapons they've added, too, I think he's certainly a guy to look at as a back half of the uh, the QB1 range, but not somebody you'd want to reach for over the, the top of the heap like, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, that that ilk. Does he finish as a top five quarterback in fantasy? I don't think it's a top five, but a top 12, so most likely. All right, there you go. The Falcons at 11-5 and five last year. Matt Ryan came out of nowhere to help carry fantasy teams to a championship. A QB 19 in 2015. Ryan went absolutely undrafted in 2016 before finishing as the QB 2, trailing just the great Aaron Rodgers. Nearly 5,000 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, just seven Picks a career high in passing yards, a career high in completion percentage, a career high in touchdowns, a career low in picks. Alex Gelhar, what does he do in 2017? I think he slides back down a little bit more to the Matt Ryan we'd grown to know and love and be accustomed to over the years. As you mentioned, all those things were career highs. The big question is with his touchdown rate. 
His uh, his touchdown rate at a career number is 4.7, and that's uh, how frequently he throws a touchdown per his pass attempts, for those of you who don't know. Don't know. His MVP campaign, it went up to 7.1. Uh, our friend uh, J.J. Zacharyson, or Zacharyson, we've had him on the podcast before, uh, at Late Round QB on Twitter, did a great piece. I was trying to find it um, about how uh, just historically when somebody gets over that 7% mark in touchdown rate, they usually fall back by two to three more percentage points, which would put him back towards his career low, which means he'd still have a very good season. Okay. But he's probably going to end up throwing like 28 to 32 touchdowns instead of 38, probably still hit that, you know, mid 4,000 yard range, which means he'll be a very good QB, but he's not a guy that I would target as like the QB five where he's going currently. He'll probably finish more in that, like Cam Newton in that back half, maybe QB 7 to 12 range. All right, Julio Jones, widely considered a top five pick in 2017. We're seeing him go there uh, pretty much all throughout fantasy mock drafts right now. 1,400 yards last year, just six touchdowns. For whatever reason, big body, super athletic, great hands. I don't know why this guy doesn't get more touchdowns. Uh, Weird season for Julio in 2016 as well, Alex Kilhar. Four different games where he had less than four points. He was at times forgotten in that very spread attack there for the Atlanta Falcons. What do you project in 2017? I mean, this is he's a top he's a top three receiver. It, yep. This is Julio Jones. And yep. word word out of uh, Atlanta is that new offensive coordinator uh, Steve Sarkeesian wants to use Julio Jones more in the red zone, which, as you mentioned, would make sense. Julio's a guy that just doesn't get targeted there very frequently. I don't get like it. single digit targets throughout the year, <laughs> and he's a freak of nature. He's he's massive. He's so big. He's so I good. Oh, makes no sense. So you would hope. I mean, he's yeah. his last several years. He's had fifteen hundred yards, eighteen hundred yards, fourteen hundred yards. That kind of seems to be his his range now. So you know the yardage is going to be there. And he's only had six or eight touchdowns in each of those last three years. If that number can bump up a little bit, it's going to be really nice. But, I mean, he's he's about as safe as pick as they come unless he gets injured, which is something we can't project. That's a very good point. Devontae Freeman, the RB6 last year, 1,500 total yards, 11 total touchdowns. Oh, excuse me, 11 rushing touchdowns. Two receiving touchdowns. He had 13 total touchdowns. He had 1,500 total yards. I'm looking at these totals. I'm like, wait, what? Is that right? Yes. 1,500 total yards, 13 total touchdowns. He was your RB6 last year. He was an absolute beast. And yet, despite that, it's actually really the second year in a row he's done very well. Yes. But I think there's a lot of concern regarding Devontae Freeman. We're seeing it kind of a little bit in his price tag as well. I know Tevin Coleman's going to push or whatever it might be, but uh, your thoughts on the on the the security of Devontae Freeman as a you know a top fifteen top twenty pick. Oh man, I love him there. I love when he slides to me. I yeah. mean, he's done it in back to back years. He's kept Tevin Coleman at bay in back to back years. Indeed, he's much more of a do it all player for that offense. We see he's so great in between the tackles. He's great in the open field. He can yeah. catch. He can score touchdowns. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he edges Tevin Coleman in red zone looks as well, those high-value ones. And I think, like right now, I think uh, Devonta Freeman's at a great value, maybe even a little undervalued, but Tevin Coleman is being overvalued. I just wrote about this in a piece, did a little fun tie-in for fantasy uh, for Independence Day, which was okay. seven players you should declare your fantasy independence from okay. <laughs> at their current ADP. Okay. So Tevin Coleman right now All is right. being drafted as the RB27. But if you look at how he got there last year, how he had his like top 20 year, he had a touchdown rate. He scored 11 touchdowns and just 149 total touchdowns. It's a touchdown rate of 7.4. It was the second highest in the league for backs with 100 rushes. Mike Gillisley had the top one. But from 2007 to 2015, 32 backs posted a touchdown rate over 5%. Only two improved upon that the following season. 
Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, and Mike Tolbert both from 2010 to 2011. The law firm? The law firm. And only, yeah. and only by 0.4%. They were both like <laughs> at 5.1 and finished at 5.4 right. or something like that. The average decline in touchdown rate in that span is 2.5%. Yeah. But if you shrink that pool to the eight backs who had a touchdown rate of over 6%, they dropped by 4.3% the next year. Okay. So what this means is that's a lot of statistics to throw at you. Yeah. Unless Tevin Coleman shakes a massive historical trend and remains like unrealistically efficient on turning his touches into touchdowns, yeah, he's going to fall a fair amount in those fantasy rankings. He had a lot rankings. of big plays. He had a lot of big plays. He had a lot of big, a lot plays. Of big plays. So if those change, like think about the year Calvin Johnson uh, set the receiving yards record but only had like four or five touchdowns. Yeah. I think he was tackled in the five-yard line like five times. <laughs> so there's random things we can't predict. So Tevin Coleman right. right now to be drafted as a top 30 running back is, is ludicrous to me because the efficiency is just – not likely to stay there, especially with their changing offensive coordinators. The rest of the efficiency of the offense is probably going to take a little step back from its historic numbers. I just think there's a lot of concern sinking a sixth-round pick into Tevin Coleman. I think the – well, this is what's happening. People are chasing the upside, and I get it, because if Devontae Freeman goes down, Tevin Coleman all of a sudden looks – But sixth round for yeah. essentially a handcuff then. You're right. It's the same thing in the next right. player on my list, although it's not in this division, was Derrick Henry. People are doing the same thing. Mm. Like, both of those guys could be league winners if their back goes down. But That's you're, right. you're just banking on that in the sixth round when there's so much, so many more high-value players, including backs that could be feature backs or wide receivers that are going to come into a massive target share. Like, yeah. I just think it's, I think it's outrageous to chase him at that draft, cap, that draft price right now. The Bucks 9-7 and seven last year. There's a lot of hope and optimism regarding their offense this year. Mike Evans was the wide receiver one last year i mean he had a good year but it wasn't one of those like crazy years you know what i'm saying 13 21 receiving 12 total touchdowns led the league in targets at 173 again there wasn't a single wide receiver last year that was targeted more than 173 times uh just for a little bit of perspective i mean normally we're talking about guys in the 190 range the 200 range uh mike evans led the league last year in targets with 173 uh your thoughts on mike evans going forward in 2017 i think you have to like mike evans i mean he's probably not going to finish as the wide receiver one again but all three years of his career, he's had over 1,000 receiving yards. He's increased his reception totals in each year. Granted, his targets have gone up. Yeah, That'll probably drop back a little bit, maybe to the 140 range with Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard and all those other pieces. Yeah. But I think he's a he's a safe wide receiver one. He's probably I think he's at my wide receiver five right now. You know, you figure he's going to get close to ten touchdowns and over a thousand yards, and you just lock it in. It, he's one of those guys, though, that I think uh, if you're a novice drafter, you might be expecting statistical growth. Is it fair to expect statistical growth from Mike Evans in 2017? I mean, we could. He's an ascending player. He he just finished his third year. You know, he's been with Jameis Winston for a couple of years now, yeah. so they've got that rapport. And Don't you, you think about potentially the the added threat of Deshaun Jackson yeah. could just help open things up or make you know it a little more difficult for the defense to key in on him. So it, certainly he could he could growth, but I'd more expect it to kind of remain static, which is a good thing. I think yeah no listen thir- you'll take thirteen hundred and twelve all day long. I just think if you're expecting growth in either one of those categories. I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I I, I love Jameis as as a uh, as a quarterback, uh, developing quarterback. Uh, we're gonna get to him in just a moment, but I, I just you know again more than thirteen hundred, more than twelve. I don't know if I see it. Um, and as you mentioned, I I think he falls back a little bit. Is probably somewhere you know as a top five or six wide receiver. I love mm-hmm. the touchdown upside. 
but again, I, I just if you're pl- paying a wide receiver one price tag for him, I just uh, that part price. I just don't necessarily buy. All right, what do we do with Doug Martin, man? Eight games last year, 421 rushing yards, three touchdowns, a horrific 2.9 yards per carry. He violated the league's substance abuse policy, entered rehab, and he is suspended. Oh, by the way, he is suspended for the first three games of the season. Fantasy Pros Aggregate has him as the RB33, number 83 overall. I've got him at 50. Galhar, you've got him at 61. What the hell do we do with Doug Martin? I mean, I, I really like Doug Martin's chances this year. Um, they've got a lot of other pieces, and like Jaquiz Rogers will probably maybe be the lead back. Charles Sims mixing in. Jeremy McNichols could get into the mix. They're, uh, they're rookie out of uh, Boise State. I really liked him. But I think Martin's going to come back and take away, take this featured job. They they want him to be. We're getting a lot of hashtag best shape of his life talk out of <laughs> out of training camp, and he's a he's a featured back who we know can carry that workload and deliver on it. Granted, yeah. he's only done it twice in his what four year <laughs> career so far, right. five year career. Well, he's on the every other year plan. So thus, the, thus, 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 twenty seventeen, an indisputable fact. <laughs> hashtag trends. <laughs> hashtag trends. That he should that he should get going here. But I just wanted to look because his ADP has skyrocketed on Fantasy Football Calculator. Has he's it? been going in. Uh, he's going as the RB twenty right wow. now. Wow! And uh, oh. in the fourth round of twelve teams. What? Rest. He's big. that. That is a little steep. Oh, he's uh, suspended for three games. I know. I uh, which actually like speaking of Doug Martin, I think if you can get him, I mean, this is a lot of sharps and degenerates drafting. Okay. This early, I mean, it's going to start evening out. But if you can get Doug Martin in like round seven or eight, and then in a couple rounds after that, grab Terrence West. I did that in one of our mock drafts recently. Okay. That gives you a kind of Frankenstein. Oh, RB1 that's interesting. Right. Because you get Terrence West, Sands, Kenneth Dixon. I mean, Danny Woodhead's there. Yeah. But you get, especially in standard leagues, the the goal line back, the, the between the tackles guy for oh, the yeah. first four weeks. Oh, yeah. And Doug Martin comes back in week four. So even if you're not confident playing him in week four, you can still ride West one more week. And then potentially have two starting backs right there. Oh, that's interesting. But I would say like, that's a good strategy. Fourth, I like that. Fourth round feels steep yeah. for a guy oh missing goodness. three games no. without the guarantee that he's that he's going to come back and take that starting job. Right. Exactly. If it was like when when Lev Bell last year was missing those first couple games, but you knew oh, yeah. when he came back, it was it was right. all him. Exactly. That's much more easy to to sink a you know first couple rounds pick into. But Doug Martin, I'd try and wait if and I was again, you guys out there. We're talking about a guy who last year ran for two point nine yards per carry. It's not like he ran for two thousand yards and is suspended for three games. Right. It's right. I mean, he was bad last year. It was rough. Their their running game was not great last oh, year. Oh boy, the Saints. Oh, excuse me. We didn't get to Jameis Winston, but we'll get to him now. Uh, Alex Galehart, explain why so many folks are excited about the prospects of Jameis Winston. Well, Jameis Winston has been on the cusp of being a QB1 in each of his first two years. I think he was uh, QB16 and QB14 mm-hmm. uh, in his first couple years. And now they're, we're talking about an offense where he found a rapport with Cameron Brait last, late last year at tight end. They have a true number two wide receiver in Deshaun Jackson to go opposite of uh, Mike Evans. He's also in his second year now uh, with Dirk Cutter as the head coach, so there's offensive consistency. It's just it's one of those ones where you kind of look at all of the things coming together, and it's a chance for you to get potentially a you know maybe even as crazy as it seems a top five top six quarterback at a big discount so I think that's why people are buying in he's a player with loads of talent we've you know we've seen it on display on the field from college to the pros and with all the pieces coming together around him I think it's just one of those cases where you'd rather buy in early than buy in late that's a very good point we'll go to the Saints at seven and nine Mark Ingram finally broke through last year your RB10 on pace on pace baby 
<laughs> he finally got on pace and hit 1,000 rushing yards for the first time in his career. 300 more yards receiving, 10 total touchdowns, but the team then added old-ass Adrian Peterson this offseason. <laughs> Why'd they go do that? You're asking me? Why'd they go I, I do wish, that? I wish I knew because this backfield confounds the hell out of me. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there are going to be a ton of fantasy points to come out of this backfield, but my concern yeah. right now is trying to figure out which week to start which guy. Because uh, they also went and drafted Alvin Kamara in the third round. Uh, I think Peterson and Ingram should be a, a, a solid duo um, with maybe Peterson being the 1A, Ingram being the 1B, assuming Peterson can come back healthy. He had a pretty bad injury that took him out of all the last year. And you mentioned his age, but yeah. this is also Adrian Peterson. The last time a lot of us were doubting Adrian Peterson, he damn near broke the rushing record. He so. did. That was a long time ago. It was a long time man. ago. I think the bigger concern we have to worry about New Orleans right. in terms of this running game is the injuries to the offensive line. Taron Armstead, their tackle, uh, Torres Pectoral, their their center, yeah. I think. Um, his name is escaping. Max Unger? Max Unger is injured, too. Okay. With a lower lower body injury, and they yeah. can keep him out towards the start of camp. So that's that's two pieces in like on offensive lines. When you start losing multiple pieces, sometimes you get into a domino effect where guys are shuffling around and it's not nearly as consistent. Guys are playing out of position. So I'm gonna. That's a storyline we're gonna have to watch. Not only how the backfield's gonna split, but okay. the health and functionality of that offensive line. Because if those guys are getting pummeled behind the line of scrimmage, yeah. It's going to be hard for them already in a split workload to return fantasy value on Very a basis. Very good point. Brandon Cooks traded away. Michael Thomas now looking to build on a legit rookie year. He had 11.37 through the air. Nine, count them, nine touchdowns on just 92 targets, man. He was your wide receiver nine last year. I am extremely excited about the prospects say, of why Michael. You, why don't you take this one? Also, he had more than uh, he had 92 receptions. He had 100. Oh, I'm sorry, targets. 92 receptions. Rather, I'm sorry, I misspoke. But I am just I, I'm ridiculously excited about the prospects of Michael Thomas. He has the size speed combination. He's got Drew Brees in a high passing attack. Um, they're going to throw the ball, geez, 600 650 times next year. It's going to get crazy. Um, and man, I, I've got him ranked. I think I've got him ranked in my inside my top ten. I'd have to check that again, but somewhere near the top ten. And I know I'm being extremely aggressive uh, in my projections for Michael Thomas. Uh, agree, disagree, Alex Skelhar. I mean, the upside and the ceiling is there. Uh, you, you know, as you mentioned, he did all of that with Brandon Cook still in the mix last year. Um, and now all those targets are gone, and they're not all just going to go to him and Willie Sneed. They'll probably trickle around to the backfield. Maybe right. Kobe Fleener starts to resemble a, a reliable tight end in that offense. Nope. But the the bigger concern is that historically, I was trying to find the numbers. I had tweeted them out ages ago when we were discussing Michael Thomas this time last year. But historically, Breeze has rarely given a massive target share to one wide receiver. He is super efficient at spreading the ball around. And instead of pummeling a guy with 25 26 27% of the targets, yeah. You'll get 19, 19, 18, 17 spread out across a bunch of guys. So, he, like, I mean, I think very likely Michael Thomas can at least remain flat with this production. But if that trend does reverse a little bit and he gets a healthier target share, could easily see him improving upon his numbers. I, for me, this is a guy that if you're playing in, you know, shallower leagues, I, I'm, I'm all about it. Because, again, you can find depth on the waiver wire in 10-team leagues. That's not really that much of a problem. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in those first 15 picks, you have to chase a little bit of upside there. And for me, Michael Thomas is a guy that could be a, a, a league-altering pick. Like, he could be a guy that gets you 1,515. If you're getting that dude with the, the, the number 12 pick or the number 10 pick, all day, sign me up all day long. 
Um, to me, he is a guy that could make a big-time jump. Uh, again, 11.37 receiving and nine touchdowns. I don't know, man. I mean, 1,313 doesn't sound out of this, out of the question at all uh, for Michael Thomas. And if that's what we're, if that's what you're kind of, sort of expecting, certainly you can sink a top ten pick. Yeah. Uh, into that. I found the number by the way. It was prior to this past year. Drew Brees had only thrown 120 plus targets to a wide receiver five times in the previous ten years. But of course, as we just mentioned, Thomas had 121 targets last year. Out of Bebbit. So. Out of Bebbit. Uh, and plus, I'll say this too, man. Um, I think Michael Thomas is their most talented receiver. He's a very, very good player. You know what I mean? Yes. Complete, very talented, super athletic. I don't know, man. I- I'm excited. I'm very excited. Drew Brees is Drew Brees. He's the QB3 last year, 37 years old. It's all good, though. 5,000 yards passing, 37 passing touchdowns, 15 interceptions. A top three quarterback in 2017, Alex Gellhart? Uh, well, uh, with Andrew Luck's health status a little bit in question, I think, yeah, Drew Brees would slide right into my QB3 behind uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't thrown for fewer than 30 passing touchdowns since 2007. (laughs) And he hasn't thrown for fewer than uh, 4,400 passing yards. Oh, 40. uh, He threw for 4,300, excuse me, in 09. But prior to that, you have to go back to 2005 for him to throw for fewer than 4,300. So he's a clockwork. He's, he's a consistent guy. Yeah. The interceptions have been up a little bit at times in the past handful of years. You know, he had 19 in 2012, 17 in 2014, 15 last year. So if you're in a league where you get dinged big for those, it might be a little bit of a concern. But uh, he played great last year, and uh, he's got a good offensive around, offense around him. Line maybe a question mark, but. I still think it's Drew Brees. He's he's done it for so long that right. I'll I'll take that shot on him. And if he, for some reason, falls apart, then guess what? There's lots of good quarterbacks on the waiver wire. Very good point. All right, open floor. Give me a fantasy storyline. I'm missing in the a or excuse me the NFC South. Alex Gelhar. Well, I uh, I already did the Tevin Coleman one, but I think um, our buddy Matt Franciscovich was talking about this on the Fantasy Hipsters podcast right now. Cameron Brait being incredibly underrated mm. among tight ends. People okay. because they drafted OJ Howard in the first round are jumping on that bandwagon and taking him several spots ahead of Cameron Brait, even though all of the words out of Bucks camp are that Brait is going to be more of the receiving tight end. Howard, who was a phenomenal blocker in college, and Brait's not the greatest blocker, is going to come in and do more of that. He'll get worked in. But Brait was a, an excellent red zone threat for them last year, and Jameis and Brait have already been showing that connection yeah. again in camp. Right. So if you're going to look for one of these later round tight ends to get out of those two, pass on O.J. Howard. Let somebody else take him. Historically, I mean, Hunter rookie. Henry aside, rookie tight ends uh, do not much. have a tough time adjusting and producing good fantasy numbers. And the competition for targets. The competition I mean. for targets. So if you're going to go with one guy, go with the big guy who's already has a rapport with Jameis Winston in the red zone and get the touchdown upside with Cameron Bray. I kind of feel, I, I kind of feel like I'm avoiding both. I mean, I'm not saying dive after either but yeah. if you're you know if you wait on the position in a 12 or 14 team league yeah you got to be in a deeper league you could throw a shot at Cameron Bright standard leagues sure. don't draft him there's too many good tight ends I would agree with that I think if you're in a standard league I just I can't see myself drafting either one of Cameron Bright or OJ Howard because again as we mentioned there's Mike Evans he's going to be soaking up a lot of targets Deshaun Jackson's going to be there uh you know eating up a lot of targets as well and I just think the tight end share I, if they split it up Great for the overall offense. Yes. Horrible for fantasy. Horrible for fantasy. Uh, I don't want either one in fantasy. And and it's not to say I don't like Cameron Brait or O.J. Howard. I like them both. I do. I think they're both fine players. Mm-hmm. I just, for fantasy, no thanks. I'll pass. Any other storylines you wanted to bring up? No, I think that's just All about right. it, man. We'll, uh, should and we get I, to Daps? Yes, we should get to Daps. The NFC South uh, is your last 
division, the very last division that we have broken down here on the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. So now, you know what? As a producer, part-time producer of this show, I'm going to actually have to come up with creative ways to fill out the airtime. But, you know, I'll also say this, Alex Gilhar. Yes. NFL.com slash draft kit. Please check it out. Go there. I'll also say uh, NFL.com. Wait, how do we get to the mock drafts? Uh, to do mock drafts? Yes, to do mock drafts. I think through fantasy there, uh, I might be wrong, but there is a mock draft button on the bar. Okay. Otherwise, uh, you can go into any league okay. page that you've had before go. and uh, go to the live draft lobby and there will be mock drafts right, there. There you go. Uh, and uh, last programming note. Are we going to two, two a week? We will be. Can we uh, announce that? We can. I believe the dates, days are going to be starting next week, Monday and Thursdays. Ooh. We're going to be coming to your airwaves, <laughs> ear, ear holes every week. Oh, my goodness. Just have to, you know, speak with some shadowy league figures, lock down yes. official times, get all, all our schedules cross-checked. But two times a week, starting next week. Two times? Can't get rid of us. A week. No matter how much you try. This is a big-time announcement. It is a big-time announcement. I feel like we need some air horns or something. Uh, I feel like we need some. We, uh, I, don't, I don't know you what know, we need. I don't know what we have over Celebratory here. Oh, music? we could do some yeah. of this. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we could do this. Wow, what an achievement. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and also, don't forget to subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review the podcast in iTunes, oh, please. Man. That helps us out a lot. It does. And uh, that is also an avenue to get into listener leagues, which oh. we'll be ramping up in the comments. Oh. You want to be in a league with Alex Gellhar? You want to be in a league – with James Kell, you want to be in a league with Adam Rank or Marcus Grant, guess what? Guess what you got to do? You got to get in on those reviews, man. Yep. Rate and review the podcast however you want to do it. Stitcher, iTunes, whatever your preferred uh, podcast yep. method is. Tweet us the screen man. grab to help. Otherwise, we will, we do sift through them on all those channels. But also, um, if you've rated in the past and it won't let you do it again, Come on, go the extra mile. Create a new email account. Ah, there you <laughs> Say, go. put it as I want to play co at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, very good point. But and I and you know I tell you, it, it, when you put those reviews in now, trust me, it does go a long way. We're going to be uh, picking our listener uh, league participants a little later in the summer. But man, I'm excited. Me too. We're, gonna, we're going twice a week now. I know it's going to be good. Oh. Get, getting close to that real season. Let's do it. All right, it's daily tap time. All right, daily dap time. I will kick us off this time. I've got quite a few, actually. Uh, I, I thought you had quite the laundry list in the rundown there. I've got a, uh, I've got a music. I know there's no franchise here, but Calvin Harris, man, he's absolutely killing it. My jam right now is that new song he's got out called Feels with Pharrell, Katy Perry, Big Sean. Um, it is rare when you get three guest appearances and all three kill it, and all three killed it. I just think, man, that song right now for me, I'm just, it's on instant repeat over and over and over again. I will also give a daily dap to the city of Portland and the city of Palm Springs. I forgot to mention this. I went to to Portland, uh, visited there for the very first time in my life. I had a great time. It was a blast. Awesome city. I've only been once. Great city. But fantastic city. It was stupid hot for whatever (laughs) reason. It was 100 degrees, Alex Gellhar, in Portland. I'll, That's, pa- I'll, I'll pass. Yeah, I don't know. It was That part was not cool. But uh, the food scene was great. The bar scene is great. Uh, it's just a beautiful city mm-hmm. uh, in general. I had a great time 
there in Portland. Uh, this was two weekends ago. Now, uh, over this past weekend, I uh, had an opportunity to go to Palm Springs. Also, well, a buddy of mine's got a house out there, a vacation house out there, so I, I met up with him uh, for the day. But Palm Springs, it was 110 mm-hmm. there in Palm Springs. But, you know, it's funny because we talk about, you know, there being a dry heat. Yeah. And it does feel better if it's dry. Oh, absolutely. Humidity you know I mean? is the worst. It is. Because it could be like 90 and humid, and it sucks. Oh, God. It's like a curtain is just draped you know over I mean? you as you're walking the whole time, but it's your own sweat. Uh, Palm Springs was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Uh, Daily Daps to Portland and Palm Springs as well. Alex Gellhart closes out. Uh, first off, Daily Daps to my friends Aubrey and Tim. They okay. got married this weekend Ooh. down near Anaheim, so I was there for that. It was cool, cool. a fantastic time. Good. Uh, Daily Daps to Baby Driver, uh, the new Edgar Wright movie. Kevin Spacey's in it. Uh, Ansel Leagort, uh, I think I might have messaged him. Jamie Foxx, yeah. John Hamm. It is Big cast. awesome. Big cast. Um, it did well at the box office this past weekend, but we need people to keep going <laughs> because I know I hear this a lot on Twitter and with friends when you're one of those people that's like, oh, they never make any new movies in Hollywood. Why uh-huh. are they just rebooting Jumanji and Jungle Book? And <laughs> you need If you're tired of that, go see the original movies that they make. I've dapped two on the last couple podcasts, The Big Sick and Baby uh, Driver. Okay. Get off your couch, go pay the 10 or $12 yeah. at the, the Cineplex, and go sit down. Both are excellent. Baby Driver is super slick, super fun action movie, amazing soundtrack. Uh, can't recommend it highly enough. It, it's very interesting you say that, though, because i got to be honest with you. The trailer did nothing for me, and the name sounds stupid as hell. <laughs> is that well, not true? The baby Driver, I mean, it sounds silly. and It and, sounds stupid. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, he doesn't drive a single baby in the whole movie. Oh, it's crap. No. Oh. His name is Baby. Uh, okay. The story is fun, though. It's got a great cast of characters. And the big ca- cast. The big cast. The cast is great. Yeah. But seriously, go check it out. It's a okay. lot of fun, and support original movies if you want to see more of them. And then lastly, yes. um, Ballast Point Brewery. I went down to the brewery location in Long Beach. It's like right on the water yesterday. Uh, My friend, for his birthday, he was born on the 4th of July, wanted to tool around in a little boat in the Long Beach Harbor area. But before our boat was ready, we stopped at Ballast Point. Great beer, really cool venue, right on the water, lots of good food. So if you're ever in the SoCal area, check out the Ballast Point Brewery. Okay, so there you go. He is the Wiz. All right, Uh I got to run back on the other side of the glass now. (laughs) He is the Wiz Kid from Wisconsin. I am James. You can follow him. The Wiz Kid on Wisconsin on Twitter at Alex Gelhar, spelled G E L H A R. You can find me on Twitter as well, James D. Co. For those of you following along on Facebook Live, we appreciate the support. We're going twice a week. We'll see you Monday. What? Is that a bucket hat? Yes, sir. <laughs> Got them for every team. Oh, my God. Uh, Like, a lot. It's awesome. I love them. I love bucket hats. Bucket hats make me happy. You do seem like the type that would wear the hell out of a bucket hat, Sully. Oh, yeah, on the beach? Automatic. Bucket hat. I I, I do have to admit, I've, I only have ever owned one, but it's it's already near and dear to my heart. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.